past week, the, uh, the church celebrated a, a feast day on Monday that is very dear to a lot of the hearts of, uh, of priests and seminarians throughout the south, southern part of the United States. Um, we celebrated the Feast of St. Benedict. Now, St. Benedict, the reason why uh, we all kind of have a, a special place for him in our hearts is because a lot of us were formed at St. Joseph Seminary College, which is, which is run by a group of Benedictines. Um, they're the same monks that had the flooding just, uh, just in March. Uh, so we continue to pray for them and, and hope that, they, that everything's okay. One thing I remember uh, most, like being immersed in that culture of the Benedictines was really, really beautiful and really, really helpful in my own formation. Um, they, their motto of prayer and work is really awesome. And the, the spirituality they live out, praying the office, the uh, liturgy of the hours together throughout the day is really great. They're beautiful liturgies. But there was one thing, um, there's, a, there's a book, uh, it's called The Rule of St. Benedict. Now this is like the how-to manual of how to be a Benedictine, right? Like if you want to know how to live as a monk, like the nitty-gritty, the, the beautiful and the ugly form of life, like look at this book. It kind of gives you everything and Benedict wrote it himself. One of the things in the book that has always stuck out to me is there this, there's this line that says, receive all strangers as if they were Christ. Like receive every visitor, receive every stranger as if they were Christ himself. Like knowing this, we, a few of us before our ordination, uh, we took complete advantage of this. We went find a Benedictine monastery, went on a little retreat, and knew that they had to receive us as if we were Christ, um, which means we didn't have to pay anything. Um, but it was, a, it's a, it was really a beautiful experience, like being immersed. but that motto of receive all visitors, receive all strangers as if they're Christ. Like that hospitality, we know that. Like our culture, we experience this. Like I remember bringing friends to my grandparents' house for lunch um, on like Sunday afternoon. And before we leave, my grandma would make sure to catch him and say, hey, by the way, you don't need his invite anymore. You are welcome to my table anytime. Like this, we, we understand this sense of hospitality, this sense of accepting in a stranger and receiving them as if they're Christ. And we see this in both of our, both the first reading and the gospel today. In the first reading, we hear about Abraham and Sarah, and they're just like in the normal daily, they're, they're in their normal daily, you know, grind. They're doing their stuff. And then they see these, these three men. Abraham sees these three men passing by. And he recognizes that it's the presence of the Lord. Now, the, the, our church fathers will, will look at this scripture and say, those three men, they represent the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That really was a foreign concept to the Jewish mind, but Abraham recognizes the presence of the Lord in these travelers and accepts them, brings them in. Like he recognizes them because he's in a good, like he's in a an active relationship with God. Like he is in he is in a good relationship with God. He's been listening to God throughout the course of, of his life. He's been, he's been following the Lord's commands, following all these things that, the, that God's been asking of him. And now he recognizes him passing. He recognizes the presence of God passing. Like I can only imagine like being able to recognize just by a look. It, it, it seems like you really better know somebody. You really have to know that person. 
Like think of it this way. If you, have, if you have your back turned and you're in a crowded room and a complete stranger says your name, you, when you turn around, you have no idea who said your name. You've got to like kind of do that awkward, hey, my name's so-and-so, nice to meet you kind of thing. But they knew your name, right? So like there was no relationship and you have to establish it. If your friend from elementary school, like if an old friend, old college buddy or something, says your name in a crowded room, you may recognize the voice as being from somewhere in the past, but still not really an intimate relationship. Not You don't get much out of just hearing a name. If your best friend, or your girlfriend, or your boyfriend, or if they say your name, okay, you know who that is, just by the sound of their voice. If your mom is standing behind you and says your name, not only do you know who it is, but you know how she's thinking about you. So if your mom says, like to me, if my mom would say John David Mathern, I'll turn around, hi mom. If I hear John David Mathern, I'm in trouble. <laughs> uh, I may not turn around, I may just keep going, right? But we can, we can tell because our, our relationship with our mothers, our relationship, the more intense our relationship is, the less that needs to be said. The more we recognize just by a look, just by a word, right? Well, Abraham, being in relationship with God and being deep and immersed in a relationship with God, sees these three men pass and knows it. That's God. That's God's presence coming to visit us. So what does he do? He invites them in. Like good hospitality, right? Treating every stranger as if they're Christ. Well, not really Christ, but you know what I mean. Uh, Inviting them in. Bringing the Lord's presence into his home. And not only does he do that, but then he goes find like the best steer that he could find. He makes he gets Sarah to start cooking some rolls. Like we got some roast beef sandwiches coming out real quick. We're about to share a meal. This is going to be great. But like giving them the best, and it's because he recognized God and was able to invite him in. So that's like challenge number one to us is to be able to first recognize God and invite him in. If we look at Mary and Martha, very familiar story. We hear Martha, oh Martha, very busy, right? Martha's running around frantic because like she's, she knows that the Lord's coming. She knows that Jesus is coming to her house and she needs to entertain Jesus Christ. Like I, we, if you've ever thrown a party for somebody and like it's a really big event, you know, like you start sweeping rooms that haven't been touched in like four years. You, you just pile everything into one closet that you hope nobody opens. Like, but you start running around frantic, making sure all the details are taken care of. Well, Martha falls into this spot of all these details, making sure that every detail is taken care of. All of her stuff's picked up and looks pretty and is all good. Even when Jesus gets there, she's still worried about the details. Like, she reminds me of uh, my sister after, for like my little godson's like third birthday, whenever everything had to be perfect, and it was, it had to be so, everything had to be so in line, all the details had to be taken care of, that you missed the party. You're so worried about all the little things, making sure that they have drinks, and they have food, and they have this, and they have that, and everything's okay, that we miss the reason why we join, why we come together. We miss the presence of the people that come to see us. Martha is, is in that spot. She's busy. And she's missing the presence of Jesus Christ in her own house. 
You think about that. How like you're missing a big piece when Jesus Christ is in your own house and you're too busy to give him the time of day. Like Martha is a perfect, like almost a perfect example of our culture. Like she lives out what our culture does, right? Too busy. Like we have more, we have more items, like more gadgets and phones and tablets and computers that are supposed to make our life easier and make things quicker. And yet we're more busy now than we ever have been. We have, we have every way possible that you could think social media would work, where we would be able to be able to be in touch with people from the other side of the world at all times, completely connected, and yet we're more isolated than we ever have been. Like our culture is a, is basically a bunch of islands that are too busy to give each other the time of day. We're we're too busy. We're too immersed in the activity of life. There was a there was a there was a um, an experiment that was done by the Washington Post. And what they did was is they got this guy Joshua Bell, um, world class violinist. Like this dude was is absolutely amazing. Uh, the prodigy from fourteen years old. Right, the guy was awesome. What they did was, is they got him to go into the metro station in D.C. and just play music. So he's on his violin and he's playing things like Bach and all these like old guys that I don't know any of their real names because I'm not that cultured apparently. Um, but he's playing all this beautiful music, right? And he plays about six or seven songs. Might have been like thirty minutes, to, thirty minutes to an hour. And he picks his stuff up and he goes. And what they did was they filmed it. And they analyzed the tape. And in that 30 minutes to an hour, about 1,100 people, so over 1,000 people passed him. Less than 20 stopped for more than 30 seconds. World-class music, world-class beauty, like offered for free in a subway station. And people couldn't take the time to stop and listen for a moment. Blow right past it. Blow right past the relationship. Just keep on going. I'm too busy. I've got too much stuff on my plate. I'm running from here to there. I'm doing way too much. Like Martha is a is a beautiful is in a way a beautiful example for us. Like, how do we structure our lives? Like, do we structure our lives around? a schedule that's just loaded down? Or do we structure our lives around, I don't know, the schedule, the work schedule that the Lord followed, that God followed? Look at Genesis 1. Day 1, He creates and it's good. Day 2, He creates and it's good. Day 3, 4, 5, 6, again, creates and it's good. But day 7, He rested. Like day seven, he didn't rest because like all of a sudden God was tired or all of a sudden God needed to like reboot his powers or something. Like he could have created on the seventh day. But he gave us an example. God didn't do that for his own sake. He did it for ours. He did it so we could see an example of what it means to like for a real true theology of work. So honestly, like think about it. Do you, do you take a Sabbath day? Like, do you actually rest on Sunday? Is Sunday a time that we go to church, 
that we give our praise and we give our worship to God and we spend time with our families and we rest? Or is Sunday just the day that we got to get all that stuff done before I go to work on Monday? So oftentimes, Sunday becomes just loaded down with everything I didn't do for the first six in the week. Martha teaches, Martha, we can see like, we need to keep a balance of these things because if not, they're going to burden us down. All this stuff is going to take our attention away from the relationship with God. All these things, when they get too much, when it's too overwhelming, that's the time to step back and reconnect with the person. Not all these things. Reconnect with the person of Jesus Christ. While Martha, she, she got her, she got some problems, right? Mary has the better part. Mary's like the, the, the star child. Like she's sitting there doing exactly what the Lord's inviting her to do. She's at the feet of Christ, letting, like being his disciple and letting him teach her. When we hear disciple, it's not just necessarily going out, but it's like sitting at the foot of the Lord and letting him be a teacher. It's a teacher-student relationship. The master and the disciple. Both of them, though, they, they both reveal something to us that's in a particular way. Martha, in her burdens, she realizes, I am loaded down. I am overwhelmed, and I can't handle all this stuff that I got to do. Where does she go? She doesn't just sit on it. She doesn't just sit on all this, all these issues. She doesn't just kind of stuff it down and hold it in until she's going to blow up on somebody. Like Martha goes to Jesus with her issues. Like tell my sister to help. I'm tired of this. I'm struggling with this. This is hard. This is a lot for me to do by myself. Tell her to help me. Like how many times in our lives when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling burdened by whether it be like I. I Look, I got kids, I got my boyfriend, I got my girlfriend, I got all this stuff that I've got to get done with work and, and like balancing a work and a relationship and all this other stuff. Like, Lord, I need your help. Or like, like Lord, I got to deal with this death in my family or my grandparents being sick or my mom losing her job or this sickness. Like, I need your help. Or like, Lord, my, my culture is breaking down around me where I'm watching people who are supposed to be in authority being murdered in cold blood. I need your help. Like the burdens of our life that weigh us down, where do we go with it? In one way, we don't want to follow. We want to make sure that we're in relationship with God and not burdened. But whenever life happens and those burdens get laid on us, where do we go? Do we follow Martha's example? Because we have two choices whenever, God, whenever life kicks us in the face. We have two choices. We either run to or we run from the Lord. I can't handle all this stuff. I'm out. You know what? Church on Sunday doesn't matter. That time of prayer that we're supposed to do, whatever. Confession, don't bother. I'm out. Like, God, you're not really doing anything. You're not listening to me. I'm out. Or do we run to him? Do we run to him when we're hurting? Do we do like Martha and when we go to him and we relate every issue that we have? Everything that burdens us, everything that weighs us down, every joy and every happiness that we have and give it to him. 
do we sprint towards the Lord? Both Mary and Martha show us that. That whether we're in the best of times and it's easy and we can just sit there and listen, or the worst of times and we are loaded down with everything under the sun, we run to God. We go to God with it. Tonight, we're going to have an opportunity to receive God himself in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity. He's going to come down and offer himself to each one of us. And what are we going to do? We can do it and just be lackadaisical and, yeah, sure, amen, and I'm out. Or we can run to God with every burden that we've had, every burden that we're carrying into the, into the church tonight. Every struggle, every pain, every sorrow, but every joy and every grace that we have as well. How do we approach the Lord tonight? Do we approach Him lackadaisical and kind of passively? Or do we approach Him with our burdens, but willing and ready to offer up our lives to Him so He can transform it? Like, do we want to let God in? Or is it, or is it just that I'm too much, I'm too busy with serving? 